through some of the events that we've done. The customers have come with a particular problem. The FDEs as a collective community have worked on that problem, but that allows us to showcase our talent and also come up with some practical ideas that could solve a problem that the customers perhaps been wrestling with for quite some time. Hi, I'm Chris Platt from People Activation. Welcome to the Activation Place, a place to hear from individuals behind ideas that help transform a business and its people for the better. First up, it's Beth Rowlands of Fujitsu, who has helped develop the award-winning Distinguished Engineers Programme. Cool. Uh, yeah, so thanks for doing this, Beth. I guess it's really... For us just to find out a little bit more about the FDE program. I mean, it's something that when you first told us about it, I think it was about five years ago, maybe more, when we first had the conversation mm. about potentially getting involved. It was something that we went away thinking, that's great. You know, we'd, we'd not heard of a business doing anything quite like that. And yeah, we, we were really excited to get involved at the time. And I guess we've probably not had the full backstory of how it came about, your role in it, how it's impacting the business today. So this is just a great opportunity, I guess, to do that, do just that. So yeah, unless you've got any questions before we get going, I'll just launch into our questions. No, that's absolutely fine. Brilliant. What would be really good, Beth, if you could tell us a bit about Fujitsu, you know, the business, what you're all about, what you do, perhaps not a, a brand name that's hugely recognisable um, to, to consumers, but we know it's an exciting business and, and there's, there's lots you do that people won't be aware of. So yeah, just tell us about Fujitsu, please. Yeah, sure. No problem. This is where I sound a bit like it's going to be a bit of a sales pitch, but yeah, not a lot of people always have heard of Fujitsu in the UK and uh, sometimes we get confused with Fuji. So we've got a bit of a campaign that we've run before saying we don't do cameras because we really don't. But we're a Japanese heritage company and in Japan we're a bit of a household name. So there are 130,000 employees that we have internationally and what we do is we deliver IT services to large organizations and we're kind of the hidden partner quite often behind the scenes. So if you're in the UK, you've probably interacted with our technology and we'd estimate about 99% of the UK population have probably interacted with Fujitsu technology within the last 12 months, but you probably wouldn't even realize that you had. So we do stuff behind the scenes like make rail ticketing happen. If you're in Manchester, as Chris and I are, we run the run the ticketing services on the Metrolink. We do lots of major work for the UK government. We do work for big retailers, major hospitality providers. And what's really sort of core to Fujitsu is, uh, is we kind of say human centricity and really sustainability, human centricity for societal good are absolutely core to Fujitsu's purpose. And for me, that's what really resonates. Hopefully that tells you about Fujitsu, Chris. That was amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Beth. It'd be really interesting to know, I guess, a little bit about your journey, Beth, with Fujitsu, sort of where you started and, you know, how you've ended up where you are, I guess, in, in the business. Yeah, sure. So um, so I joined in 2012 and I joined to look after technical talent at the time. There wasn't anybody doing that job and I, I joined learning and development to do that. And at that point in time, there was a little bullet point on my job description that also said, how we need to do something with technical talent because we didn't have anything 
at that point in time for technical talent. And that's where the Fujitsu Distinguished Engineer program came from that perhaps we'll talk about in a minute. But particularly joined to to focus on technical talent, making sure that we had the right skills and capabilities from a technical perspective in our organisation and that we were making the most of our technical talent, that we were retaining them, that they were super engaged and that we were also making sure that we were bringing them together as a community and we were really savvy at knowledge sharing by making sure sort of accessibility and sharing good practice and sharing new innovation and stuff like that. So I did that in the UK and then Fujitsu, I think similar to most large corporates or organisations, it likes to kind of reorganise and change its approach on a fairly regular basis. And I guess about sort of a year and a half to two years, we, we, we changed and we did that. But during my first 12 months, as I said, I had this spurious bullet point on my job description about do something with technical talent. So did a lot of work on that that we'll come to. And then uh, my role expanded to be a European and a mayor-wide role. And then I had the opportunity through the program around Distinguished Engineers to just really focus on the talent part of the job. So I did that for a couple of years, just looking after technical talent, again, across the EMEA region, as it was at the time. And then we had a little restructure again that we do. I had the opportunity to step back into just really focusing in the UK part uh, of the organisation and lead on learning and development, on um, talent acquisition and talent management and retention. So I've been doing that for about the last two and a half years. And then recently, within the last six months, my role has changed again. And we've had a bit of, again, a reshuffle in how we organise our regions. And now I'm looking after what's called talent and learning from a Northern and Western Europe perspective. That's about 15 and a half thousand employees. And Northern and Western Europe is 13 different countries, of which the UK has the biggest number of employees, which is about getting on for 7,000 now. My job day to day is really making sure that we are bringing the right people in, that we are retaining them, that we're giving them a superb employee experience, that they have a great opportunity to learn while while they're with us, a great career opportunity while they're with us. And yeah, I guess I guess giving people that really good employee experience. Brilliant. Thank you. And the next question, you've sort of already touched on this with the uh, bullet point around must do something with technical talent. Maybe if you could elaborate a little bit more on the bullet point of like, <laughs> you know, why, why I guess it's going to be around retaining talent, attracting talent. But I guess, yeah, a little bit of background on what was underpinning what ultimately became the FDE programme would be great. Yeah, sure. So when I joined Fujitsu in 2012, we had a number of leadership talent programmes and they were quite mature. They were really well recognised, really well received. A couple of them had won different awards. But as an organisation that the majority of our workforce, I guess, would be considered technical and you sort of name it technically, I guess we have it from software developers, architects, network engineers, sort of the full span because of the breadth of, of what we do and what our customers expect us to be experts in. We have a really broad church of technical experts and we didn't really have anything from a talent perspective 
for them. That felt a bit strange to me by the nature of what we did, but nevertheless, we didn't. So I undertook a piece of work to do some research, first of all, in what would we need to do? And we started off that research with, we brought in an occupational psychologist, actually, to help us understand what made those people tick and why they were staying with us, really, uh, what they were hanging around for, what they were looking for out of their day-to-day work and what they would want from such a programme. And so we we did quite an in-depth interview with a with a number of colleagues across the UK and it was fascinating to kind of get a handle on on what makes people tick. And I know we always read about this that it's not necessarily the salary, but it really isn't. It's the people that they get to work with. It's the really chunky difficult problems that they that they get chucked in their direction that just really, I guess, get them thinking and can they solve as a challenge. It's colleagues around them. So great technical people want to work with other like-minded individuals. And through the research that I did, quite a number of people referenced something called the Distinguished Engineer Programme, which had been originally created. Um, Fujitsu was originally ICL in the UK and ICL was acquired by Fujitsu back in around the late 90s, early 2000s. And there were still some people that worked for us that that were original distinguished engineers. And so what uh, they spoke so warmly about this programme, about what it enabled for them in their careers, how they felt super recognised, having the title of distinguished engineer, that we just felt at the time there's really something in this. If something, and it'd been about 10 years since we'd last had the scheme. So we thought, this, well, there's such a strong brand around this, we should bring it back. But because it's been kind of dormant, for sort of over 10 years, we should dust it down and think about what we really want to get from a program and, and, and bring to the table the latest research that we had. So the Distinguished Engineer Scheme is a peer nomination scheme. We have a set of criteria that we say, if you want to be a Distinguished Engineer, you need to be able to demonstrate these characteristics. And there are eight characteristics. They're based on the original program, but we brought them up to date a little bit. And it's not just about being technically brilliant. We don't just want people that maybe that, but maybe they're... um, they're not the most popular people in the organisation. So it's about being more rounded. And it's not just about being brilliant and hiding all that knowledge to yourself and keeping your head down over your laptop, writing brilliant code, but then never sharing. So we're looking for people who are role models, who are ambassadors in our organisation, who are thought leaders, who speak for us out in the wider market externally, who are the kind of people that I guess are seen as um, someone that someone would want to really work with and really respect from a technical piece peer-to-peer basis. And and absolutely being technically brilliant is, of course, part and parcel of being recognised. It's a nomination-based programme. You can be nominated by a peer. We do need some further endorsement of the nomination. We do it once a year. We also convened, as part of the programme, a group called the Fellows. They're kind of like our, I always refer to them as like the Jedi Knights of our technical colleagues. They are our biggest brains, our technical thought leaders that will talk to the market on a regular basis about the latest thinking, the latest innovation. And they're my kind of guidance board. So they receive all the nominations and they review them. Two of them review each one against the set of criteria and we decide who gets recognised. And then I guess sort of what's in it for them once being recognised. So there is quite a lot of kudos that goes around having the badge. They get a physical pin badge as well. But it's being able to demonstrate really amongst your peers that you've been recognised 
for these kind of behaviours, for this kind of knowledge and for contributing to the organisation and I guess contributing to the to the wider industry. We then convene these people on a fairly regular basis. We convene them for knowledge sharing events locally, most recently virtually. And then we also do one big conference a year that's now international. We also can call on this community if we've got a tricky problem that we want to solve, if we've got a particular, I guess, larger challenge that we want people to look at more roundly. And really, I guess, that Distinguished Engineer community is called on by the rest of the organisation for the expertise that they have within it. And just bringing them together and allowing them, I guess, to geek out on different topics that are of interest to them. And really, the job of of Ms. Facilitator of the programme is to sometimes get the organisation out of the way of this community to help them sort of achieve what they're looking to achieve, give them access to the kind of learning that they want to have access to. And it's not necessarily lots of push information because by the nature of who they are, they know what they want, they know the things that are of interest to them, they know pretty much how to get access to them. But we just need to kind of enable that. It's a great program, but they are, I would say the the Distinguished Engineer program is also a bit of a strategic asset to Fujitsu. If you're a, a customer of ours, if you've got a Distinguished Engineer working on your account or we're bringing one in to help solve a bit of a problem, it's a bit of sort of extra kudos. As I said, we use the community talks a lot externally. And then we also use them as very visible role models, both within Fujitsu for, I guess, people that might be earlier in their career. Or we also enable this community to be advocates outside of Fujitsu, back in the local community where they are. So a number of our distinguished engineers, and I'll refer to them as FDEs, it stands for Fujitsu Distinguished Engineers. So a number of our FDEs, for example, signed up to code clubs. And so they actively run code clubs in school, or they actively run code clubs in, say, local scouting groups or guide groups or whatever it might be in the community. And we, again, support all of that and enable that. We've done a number of different things specifically for women in tech. We do girls in tech days to bring girls back into our organisation just to have sort of tech days and the guys come up with what are they going to do? What are we going to teach? It's like a prattle on for ages, Chris, but hopefully that gives you an idea of where it came from and, and sort of how it works. Yeah, absolutely. And from what you've said, it sounds like the program has got stronger and stronger as it's gone along. And why do you think that is? Like, why has it been such a successful program within Fujitsu and outside Fujitsu? You know, the stuff you've just mentioned around the the code clubs and the going out to schools. Like, if you were to like put your finger on some of the things that you've done in in perhaps the way the program's set up or things that you've done that you really think have, have made it a success. Yeah, I mean, I was reflecting on on this in in why was it such a success? I said it already had a bit of a brand, but I guess we did our research up front, so we did think quite deeply about what we wanted, and we took time, I guess, to get to know our end users or our customers in in what they would want, and that. That was kind of forefront in what we developed. I think the other thing that really worked for us at the time was um, it started off as just a UK program and I got sponsorship from our UK CEO. He really got behind the program and got behind the funding. And that was really key, I guess, to enabling things and really getting it going. So if I was to do undertake something like this again, I would say you know, having a really strong sponsor and advocate. And then as his role expanded, 
expanded outside of the UK and he took on other international parts of Fujitsu. And it was always at the forefront of his mind because he'd seen the value of what the program had delivered back in the UK, that he would immediately come and contact me, whichever new country that he'd started working in and say, Beth, I think we really need the FDE scheme in the Americas. Can we get it going? Uh, so that that was helpful. I think the other thing was quite often talent programs are seen as a bit of an HR thing. HR run it and do it. And this one, because it was technical, I was really keen that it would be for techies, uh, by techies, if you like. So they make the decisions on who gets recognised and what good looks like. Of course, I work in HR and we facilitate this programme and do the organisation to make it happen. But I guess the key decision makers are the FDEs themselves and ultimately the decision makers for who gets recognised are our fellows, so technical colleagues um, also that have great credibility amongst the technical community. And the final thing I'd say is um, we thought again long and hard. It's been, it's been you know, quite a decent sized investment for Fujitsu, but we thought about what the outcomes were that we wanted to achieve from this program right at the get-go. We've won a couple of awards for it and that's always helpful. Even if you're not sure where you're going with a program right at the outset, kind of looking at what award criteria might be helps you, I guess, be really firm on what your outcomes are going to be that you're shooting for from something that you're just starting up. And that's, I think, also really helped us to make it the success that it's been. Brilliant. Thanks, Beth. Is there anything that you've that's perhaps not quite worked along the way that you've had to change to sort of get it to work? Is it is yeah. in that space? I think we've learned kind of a lot along the way. So it's been running now since 2013. As I said, it's grown, it's gone sort of international. And the latest iteration is we're now working with Japan, which is obviously been predominantly an international scheme. But our Japanese colleagues, because it's now got, I guess, such a reputation that our Japanese colleagues are now sort of very interested in an expansion there. So we're doing a bit of reimagining in in what that what that might look like. Things that we learned along the way were we intentionally set the bar quite high for the Distinguished Engineer Scheme, but we felt that we were missing. We didn't kind of always have a great sort of talent pipeline going into it. And of course, we had a number of people that would be nominated and then were unsuccessful. And it felt like we didn't have a great pipeline or plan for what would we do with those people and how could we help them to achieve the badge and what were they missing? So we've introduced an associate FDE program, which means that full FDEs, if you like, can be mentors to people that we recognise as associate FDEs. And that's kind of their supportive way of joining the programme. They've got someone that can help them understand it and understand perhaps the experience or the development that they're going to need. Not long after we'd started the programme, we found that we were not getting as many nominations from women in technical roles as we would like to have seen. And Fujitsu is no different really to any other IT sector organisation in that we are predominantly a male organisation. In technical roles, we're about 70% male and 30% female. But we still were, even with that ratio in mind, we were still seeing a real drop-off from women that were nominating, either nominating themselves or being peer nominated. We did a bit of research into that and it wasn't just that, well, we didn't have women that were up to the level that we would expect. Of course we did. But 
what we saw was, and I'll stereotype a little bit, women are more likely to have a little bit of imposter syndrome. So they would look at that set of criteria and immediately focus on perhaps the one thing that they felt that they didn't have enough experience in, and that would put them off nominating. Whereas I'll stereotype for a minute, so excuse me for a second, a bloke might look at that 10 criteria, see five of the things that they can do, five of the things they can't, and completely focus on the five that they can do, and then nominate themselves, and potentially also do quite a little bit of advocating others to nominate for them. And again, generally, we saw that women were not doing that. So we made a real concerted effort, first of all, from the women that we had that were recognised to do more sponsorship of other women who we knew absolutely had the skills and experience that we were looking for in order to encourage nomination and to bring them through. And we've continued to build on that. Of course, just because of the nature of the gender breakdown that we have, we're not at parity, but we've made big strides in in the recognition of women in technical roles, which was really great to see. But we had to do a bit of work to do that. And it wasn't something I guess that I was expecting from the outset. And now we do much more direct sponsorship. We do much more mentoring. And through the associate program, we're able to spot women in technical roles and men in technical roles, but have that pipeline coming through so we can continue to see where our next distinguished engineers are going to come from. Brilliant. Thank you. And in terms of retaining talent, and there's obviously that piece around helping you guys with like continual excellence. How do you measure the success of the programme? Yeah, sure. So you're right. Retention is definitely one measure that we constantly look at. We do an engagement survey that most organisations do. We now do our engagement survey twice a year. Well, we've done it sort of previously since the programme was set up, even when it was once a year. And although the survey is anonymous, we are able to put a flag on particular groups and we are able to flag our distinguished engineers and then look at their engagement scores as a comparator to other technical colleagues in communities. And what we're looking for there is to see how engaged, but also how enabled these colleagues feel in our organisation to just double check that we are setting the right environment and we are creating an environment that sets them up for success because we know if these guys are successful, we're going to be successful as an organisation. And I'd say the third element that we look at is we look at How are FDEs impacting either what we're doing from an innovation perspective or what we're doing with individual customers? So through some of the events that we've done that you guys have been front and centre in helping us with, we've previously invited customers to these events and the customers have come with a particular problem. And then during the conference, the FDEs as a collective community have worked on that problem, but that allows us to showcase our talent and also come up with in a real short space of time, some practical ideas that could solve a problem that the customer's perhaps been wrestling with for quite some time. We do other innovation and ideation events internally outside of the big conference as well. And we've had some things that have led to business for us from customers out of the back of those innovation and ideation events. And so commercially, that gives me great justification for the value that this program is adding and the return on investment that we're getting from it, not only from retention that we can obviously put a number on, but also from from innovation and ideation events. Fantastic. Final question. And I guess this is around, you know, what advice you would give to someone wanting to implement perhaps a programme similar to the FDE programme. You've sort of mentioned the bit up front around making sure you've got a sponsor. 
But yeah, maybe if you could elaborate on that, what, what are the key things you'd want people to think about if trying to get something like this off the ground? Yeah, so as I said, I think a sponsor, looking back, a sponsor was key for me. And that really helped, I guess, grease the wheels in just getting the funding that you sometimes need just to get something up and running. I think the research that we did played a key part in really listening to our customers, I guess, to really understand a, what made them tick, but also what they were looking for. And then also having part of that community shape and lead the programme with us has meant that we've been able to really listen, I think, and adapt and address things that that people are seeking from it. And we continue to do that. And that's sort of, I guess, a core part of what we do. And then I guess the final thing I would say is continually challenging yourself in what's working, what's not, and what do you need to readdress? So it was was always pretty successful from the get-go. But as I said, we sort of started to notice that drop off and we started to lose the pipeline that maybe we wanted. We had a particular problem with diversity of nominations from a gender perspective. So I think it's that constant reflect and review in what's working, what maybe needs to be adapted because organisations are always changing. So there's always something that you're going to need to mix up, refresh, think differently about. And if there's anything that you're starting to see that you're missing something in the outcomes that you're looking to to achieve, as I said, like particularly for us, is it was that nominations from women and men that we started to see. So through that reflection, I think we were able to spot that. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Activation Place. If you've got an idea or a project that you feel has transformed a business and its people for the better, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at activationplace at peopleactivation.com.